and welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Alicia Kishonis. Alicia is a research biologist for the USDA ARS Western Wheat Quality Lab in Pullman. She received two bachelor's degrees, one in chemistry and one in biology, from Ripon College in Wisconsin. Her master's degree is in crop production and physiology from Iowa State University, and her PhD is in crop science from Washington State University. She has been in her current position for five years or so. Hello, Alicia. Hi, Drew. So tell us what you're doing over at the Western Wheat Quality Lab these days. Uh, Among other things, uh, I work on the flavor of wheat, uh, which is something that is not heavily studied. Um, We want to increase uh, whole grain consumption. And one barrier to whole grain consumption is a bitter flavor or a strong flavor that some people who've been eating for example, white bread all their lives um, don't really find particularly uh, tasty. So in order to hopefully increase whole grain consumption, we want to make wheat that tastes really good. Okay, you're right. I haven't heard of uh, wheat taste tests before. So you have a little panel sitting around all tasting wheat. Is that how it's done? Or uh, It actually uh, started with mice. With mice? Yes. Uh Mice seem to be uh, able to tell the difference in flavor, but don't bring a lot of sort of preconceived notions to it like we would, like uh, any emotional attachment. Maybe this seems healthier or this smells like bread my grandmother used to make, things like that. So mice are uh, perfect subjects, and uh, it turns out they have some similar taste bud structures to humans. So it seems like they're a pretty good uh, model organism. Okay, well, that's very unique, I would say. I've not heard, so you use mice, and how do you tell whether they prefer or don't prefer a particular uh, wheat that you're feeding them? Well, that was actually a challenge to start with, to sort of figure out what the preferences of mice were to begin with. Uh, Not surprisingly, they greatly prefer soft wheat over hard wheat, and uh, white wheat over red wheat, although there are some uh, notable exceptions to that that we've found. So what we do is we mark the grain with each grain with a dot of a Sharpie marker. And it turns out, and we've done studies on this, the mice either like or dislike red and black marks the same. So uh, we've done quite a few studies on uh, how to mark the grain. Uh, And once we had that sort of settled, um, we've worked on sort of finding genetic differences. So within a market class of wheat, um, we will give the mice samples. They'll get to try them for 24 hours just to get a feel for the grain. And then we take everything away. We give a measured amount of two 
uh, samples or two varieties. They get 24 hours to eat what they want to. At the end of that, uh, the grain is then collected and what hasn't been eaten is weighed back to compare to the original amount that was given to the mice. I'm finding this fascinating because I never would have thought <laughs> we'd be talking mice and wheat flavor. That's, so how did you come on to this idea of using mice to uh, test for flavor in wheat? I would love to take credit for this idea. Uh, that was actually Dr. Craig Morris, the director of our lab. Okay. And he was just starting this work. And I'm not sure if it was some observations that he made, but at one point he did have a little pet mouse and watched this <laughs> mouse for like hours, just seeing how it behaved with the grain and maybe picked it up and played with it. And um, so he kind of started this project. And that was one thing that uh, drew me to the lab was I found this to be really innovative and fascinating research that was sort of outside the box. And I really wanted to come be a part of that. Um, so, you know, he kind of started it along with um, another researcher, Pat First. And uh, I took over on the mouse project probably five years ago okay. or so. So we've done a lot of work since then particularly connecting flavor to the genetics behind it. When I was in Nebraska, um, one of my projects was to try to increase the amount of hard white wheat grown. Oh. And the idea was hard white wheat doesn't have that red alurone, which has the bitter tannins in it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that people would eat more whole grain if it was white wheat. But you're telling me it's not quite that simple as red versus white? Right. We thought it was uh, until... We had done studies maybe two years ago where we saw that there were some exceptionally tasty red, hard red varieties that the mice preferred over some, I guess, very yucky tasting uh, hard white varieties. So what we thought was a more black and white system turned out to be a bit of a gray area. So how are you using the information you collect on the mice to move forward with moving that wheat flavor into, I guess, the breeding program. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so we did uh, some genetic mapping populations within soft white wheat to make sure we didn't have any color differences or hard and soft differences and found some of um, genetic hotspots is how we like to refer to that, um, that really had strong associations with flavor. And we are now taking those uh, tests, the very extreme varieties, uh, also um, in collaboration with Colorado State University and some of their metabolomics and breeding work. And we are, um, we got a project with the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. Uh, they have a genetics of taste lab that I understand is uh, an NIH funded lab and part of their grant is they call for proposals for collaboration. So we answered that and our proposal was selected. And it's a very interesting program they have with a lot of community involvement. So there are these citizen scientists and community members who really make a lot of the decisions about what gets studied there. Okay. So uh, we're working with them now and making wafers. 
that are uh, maybe one inch in diameter and very, very thin uh, of just ground wheat and water and uh, sheeted out and then cut into these little wafers. And they, they're they very reminiscent of uncooked pasta. Okay. I mean, they're, I would never sell these. They're not <laughs> uh, something that would make any money. Okay. Um, but we wanted to use the least amount of processing possible to avoid any confounding effects because okay. we know different varieties behave differently when baked or processed uh, further. So these are, you can taste the difference. Okay. Um, and they do sensory panels there. Um, and people need to pair the ones that they think are the same. Uh, they're given two sets of material and we want them to pair like with like. Uh, and we're not really asking, did you like this or did you think it was bitter? Our aim is more, can humans detect differences in the way that we see mice can detect these differences. Okay, and how long has that project been going on with the with the Denver Museum of Nature and Science? We just had our kickoff brunch uh, about a month ago, and that was to start training the citizen scientists who actually administer this. So it's community members who can get trained, and a lot of them have a science background, and they can get trained to administer these sensory panels. And uh, so we had this big start launch to the project and everything is open source for it um, because it's really, like I mentioned, very community-based. And um, the project has its official kickoff for the public on November 19th. And they get people going through the museum and it takes maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, they have people volunteer who are from ages like eight to 80, 90, you know, anyone who um, does not have celiac or another gluten intolerance is perfectly welcome to do the sensory panel. Okay. So and that will run for a certain length of time and then will the results be made available to people? Yes. It will run for probably almost a year. Okay. Uh, and they get particularly around Thanksgiving or winter holiday breaks, they get a lot of people coming to the museum to do this. So it's sort of participation goes in waves, uh, but they get between 1,500 to 2,000 participants over the nine months to a year. And then we have it kind of outlined that it'll be a few months of analyzing data. And what they do is they're interested in the human genetic side of this. So they'll be taking a little cheek swab from participants and looking at some specific genetic markers to see if certain people have receptors that might uh, be more sensitive to this taste. And so we'll be combining those data with what we see from the wheat genetic side of it to try to understand, are there differences in do children have a stronger sensitivity to this or um, people who eat a lot of whole grains might not be able to tell differences because they just like all of those flavors. So uh, I think there are going to be a lot of interesting things, which means it's going to be a lot of analysis. And then we're hoping to have several publications that will all be open source uh, for hopefully, uh, you know, launching into further projects about now we need to bake them because mostly we eat things that have been 
heated in some right. way. Yep. So you expect this stuff to start happening here over the next year or two. And is, is there some place our listeners can go to, maybe not immediately, but down the road to see how this this is turning out? Will you? Is there a website or somewhere they can go? Uh, yes, uh, the Denver Museum of Nature and Science has. Uh, a link on their website to the Genetics of Taste Lab. And they have a lot of uh, resources there and information about the project we're currently working on, as well as some of their previous studies, which are very interesting. And uh, they've done a really nice job there, which is why we're very happy to be partnering with them, is that they really have a great system set up for these sort of sensory panels and uh, just large numbers of participants, which is generally a challenge in these taste testing kinds of studies. Uh, so it will hopefully show the progress on the website. And uh, I'm not sure how much it'll be publishable at first, but in the first two weeks, they have all of the museum staff and volunteers actually participate. So they'll be sending me some preliminary data. So hopefully in maybe two months or so, I'll at least have some preliminary findings. And will that be posted to the Western Equality website? Uh, I think it'll be on the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. Uh, Just sort of USDA has some different regulations about that. And um, they have a great media team for this there. They uh, do a lot of advertising and um, they are active on social media for this. So they've They've got a really nice setup. Sounds like a really nice collaboration. Mm -hmm. You're both getting something out of this, and and they're helping you get the word out. And really fascinating work. I'm really excited to see how this turns out over time. And it's an area I just never crossed my mind that we'd be feeding (laughs) mice different kinds of wheat and that that information would be translatable Mm -hmm. to humans. So Yeah. It's taken about seven or eight years to get to the point where we have an understanding of this flavor enough such that we can bring it to humans, which is really the important part. So we're very excited to be in this next phase of the research because it really is, you know, this has all been geared towards human whole grain consumption. So this has been a really major step for us to be able to bring this to humans and with a very, um, a good collaboration that has a lot of strong foundation on both sides. Very good. Well, I find it fascinating. We'll have to have you back on as a guest when you have a little bit more information on what what you're finding here. Thank you very much, Alicia. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.